What is going on, everybody? This is your host, Mark. Over there is my brother, AJ. Thanks for tuning in to another brand new episode of the Fantasy Football Champs Podcast. And today, get ready, pack your bags, because we are going back in time. And we are breaking down our top 10 fantasy football players of all time. This is going to be a good one, guys. So let's jump right into the show. going on with this guy <laughs> now I don't know if he's if he's just a bit of a dick or if it's just like a like a Dallas Cowboys thing and that could be taken a bunch of different ways All right, so what do you think, AJ? Is, uh, did you have fun going uh, back through time trying to figure out your top 10 fantasy football players? I actually had a ton of fun going back in time. Brought back a lot of good memories. Growing up watching these studs just destroy the football field. I definitely had fun making this list. Yeah, I, uh, I found it to actually be a little more difficult than I thought it was. Like... Uh, a lot, there's a lot of players over the years that are definitely eligible to make a top 10 all the time, but I feel like you just kind of have, like, you know what I mean, like the people that you had, that you had success with. So with my list, I definitely played a little bit of uh, favoritism, but at the end of the day, it's my top 10 list, so I highly doubt it's going to match yours or anybody else's. Yeah, it's uh, there's so many great players in the history of this league. That's why... For my league in particular, I I broke it down from like when I was, you know, in my football prime, you know, watching it and when I first got into fantasy. So, I mean, I didn't really go back farther than like 99, 98. So, I mean, it's more recent. I'm not going to go back any farther than that. So, a lot of big names. I'm excited to see who the hell you have on your list. Yeah, I did exactly the same thing. I probably really started getting into fantasy football right around 2000 so I don't have any I don't have anybody from the 90s that made my list I'm sure that there's players in the 90s that definitely should be on a top 10 all-time list but for this exercise I kept it to people that I actually had experiences either having on my roster or going against so that's kind of the uh the frame I laid out when I went through and I picked my 10 guys yeah, I mean, I, I got a couple '90s guys in there. I got a few, but um, yeah, late '90s, nothing, nothing too crazy. Well, 
you are one old son of a bitch, so I'm not very surprised. <laughs> hey, there he is. All right, now, before we get into our top 10 all-time list, there's a couple things we've got to do at the top of the show. You guys out there have to be following us on Twitter. The Twitter handle's at champs underscore podcast. On there is where we post a lot of polls and uh, topic discussions because we like to listen to the community so you guys can have your input on what you guys want for future shows, future giveaways. So the Twitter is a good spot because we're posting on there pretty frequently. You also have to check out the Instagram, and that is at fantasy underscore champs. You guys have been doing a good job with that lately, uh, following, and we're doing our best to be posting on a regular basis, giving updates on the uh, the latest shows and what we're going to be covering. And the newest addition to our social media platforms is we launched a Facebook group. All you got to do is go to groups and type in Fantasy Football Champs Podcast. as our logo. We got a little over 100 people in there right now. Uh, we just started it not even a week ago. So if you guys want to keep up to date on the show, that's honestly probably the best place to do it. We have an active community. We have a bunch of knowledgeable fans in there. We did uh, our mock draft show that we just did was with uh, 10 fans from the community. And they all held their own for sure. So if you come and join us on this journey as we are going to keep growing, uh, yeah, make sure you guys are following us on all of those platforms. Yeah, we definitely, uh, we need all the followers we can get. We only want fantasy football players, though. We don't want any of these guys coming in, you know, drafting kickers early and none of that shit. All right, we just want everybody to come in here. I mean, you know what? If you draft a kicker, that's fine, too. Come on over to us. We'll give you some tips, and I'll try to help you. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, been a lot of fun. We're only going to get bigger. Yeah, that is right. So make sure you guys come on board early. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're always on there. We're always posting stuff. We're really easy to find. And... Uh, on all of those platforms, you can actually submit us either voicemail questions or you could just message us your questions. Now, we do uh, we are going to do a quick mailbag segment here in a second. But first, <clears throat> AJ, we have to talk about Tyreek Hill. All right. So a bomb was dropped on everybody the other day, and it came out that Tyreek Hill could possibly be looking at a maximum of four games. Four games. That would be such... A game changer. His draft stock would skyrocket. It's just, I mean, we don't know for sure yet, but for them to just even word it like that, a maximum of four games, it seems like Tyreek Hill definitely had a good day in that meeting on Wednesday. Yeah, I, I don't know what he did. I, I actually don't want to know what he did to be able to get a sentence that short. I thought for sure it was going to be an eight-gamer. Like, I, I I thought there was no way he, he got off on this one. Like, I, I was shocked when I saw that. It was everything. It's a good thing we uh, we did our wide receiver rankings early because we're going to have to go back and do them again before the season starts. Because now Tyreek Hill, I mean, even if – I mean, we got to see what the number actually comes out to be. If it is four games, he's still going to be drafted, what, in probably, like, the third round. If it ends up being, like, a two-gamer, I can see people grabbing him in, like, the uh, 
middle or back of the second round. So it's going to change a lot, and I'm I'm taken aback a little bit by the fact four games would be a maximum. I, I was shocked. I had I had a feeling it would be between four and six, only because it's not like they have like visual evidence or, or anything. They had a recording, but at the end of the day, it's it's a recording. So I mean, I don't know exactly what happened, but for the for them to say it could only be a four, it couldn't have been that bad, I guess. I don't know, but I mean, regardless. This is a fantasy show, so his fantasy stock is definitely on the rise right now. Yeah, so any been doing best ball leagues, or maybe you just had your drafts really early. If you took a flyer on Tyreek Hill, then you are absolutely ecstatic over this news. Everybody else, it kind of sucks because now we're not really going to have a chance to draft him at a value because his, like you said, his stock is going to be rising. So until we hear more about the actual number, uh, we'll just leave the Tyree kill right there, and we're going to move on to some questions from the community. How's that? What do you think? You want to jump into these questions now? Let's get right into it. Okay, the first question comes in from Yellow Mike. He asks, Calvin Ridley, Tyler Boyd, or Chris Godwin? Who do you got and why? I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, that's, a, that's a good question. Uh, I'm a Boyd guy. Uh, my main reason for that is because your boy, A.J. Green, gets hurt often. And honestly, even when A.J. Green is on the field, Tyler Boyd still balls out. So uh, I'm not that big on Godwin. I know you like Godwin, but I'm not uh, I'm not a Jameis guy. So like I've stated previously, if it's not Mike Evans, I don't really want to touch anybody in that offense. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going Boyd on that one. Now, I understand why you take Boyd. I think Boyd I think Boyd kind of has a safe floor. I, I like Ridley. I think Ridley's solid. I don't think it's going to be this year for Ridley. Boyd will be solid, but I'm going Godwin. And I know you just said you, you don't really like Godwin. I'm going to tell you why I like Godwin. Godwin's production with Winston and Fitzpatrick, so it didn't really matter which quarterback it was. When Godwin was the wide receiver, too, and... Uh, even with Humphreys there, he was still getting targeted a ton, and he was making the best of his targets. And he was getting targeted a lot from both quarterbacks. Humphreys is gone. Deshaun Jackson is gone. And D-Jax was murdering Godwin when uh, Fitzpatrick was on the field. Fitzpatrick was chucking it deep, and everything was going to D-Jax. When D-Jax was out of the lineup, Chris Godwin played spectacular. He showed that he can run routes. He has a great route tree. He breaks hard in and out of cuts. He has great hands. He was targeted in the red zone a lot. And like I said, I mean, you take away those two weapons, Deshaun Jackson and uh, and Humphreys, and Godwin is a locked and loaded number two. I don't see anyone threatening him for targets in that offense. And that offense is going to be throwing the rock a ton. You guys know Flamin' Jameis. He's a gunslinger. He's going to be slinging it all over the field. For good or for bad, Godwin's going to get a ton of targets. So I'm going to go Godwin there. So it's interesting that uh, – so, uh, Yellow Mike, it looks like we're not really going to help you. We're going to split on that one. But, uh, yeah, go Godwin. Well, I think out of those three receivers, I think I'll take Ridley over Godwin, to be honest, too. Like, Godwin would be, like, the last guy I would want to choose here. Uh, you mentioned Godwin has great hands. Well, he's going to need them with Jameis passing the ball because the ball is going to be all over the place. And you say 
you know, there may not be somebody else taking targets. OJ Howard's going to get some targets. So, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see what Godwin does as the number two because he really hasn't been the number two yet. So let's see how he does against a better defender. And let's see uh, how big of a role OJ Howard has. But I think uh, I think really has a, a better chance to have a better season than uh, Godwin. And I think Boyd, honestly, is, is above both of these guys. Yeah, well, I mean, Yellow Mike, I guess it comes down to your your fantasy play style. Like, would you rather have a safe floor, like if you're a conservative player, or Boyd over Godwin? If you like to roll the dice and you're going for that home run hitter, that upside, Godwin's play out of those three. Next question. <laughs> All right, so... Next question comes in from AR Hero 12, and he asks, Will Kyler Murray drop Q- uh, QB1 production his first season? He wants to know why or why not. So, where are you? Can he put up uh, quarterback one numbers, or do you think he's not going to touch that in his rookie season? Uh, can he put up quarterback one numbers? I absolutely think he can. And the reason why is he has weapons. So he's got David Johnson. I've said it a hundred times already. I think David Johnson is going to be the bounce back player this year. I think he's going to dominate. I think a big part of the reasoning in that is Kyler Murray. I think his versatility is going to lead to David Johnson just balling out. He still has the most reliable receiver in the league with Fitzgerald. I mean, the guy doesn't drop anything. Uh, he's got, I mean, Kirk is up and coming. He's, he's going to be good. Uh, so I mean I think I think Kyler can definitely put up big numbers, but it's just a matter of is he gonna hit that rookie wall? Is he gonna be ready? So I mean I, I kind of project Kyler to come in maybe a little shaky, but I think he's gonna he's gonna you know find his footing and have a pretty solid fancy year as a rookie. See, I also think Kyler Murray has the chance to put up uh, QB one production, but for a different reason than what you say. I think he has the potential just because he's so mobile. I mean, the dude ran for over a thousand yards in college. He's a mobile quarterback. He's going to be running around. And if freaking Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills can squeak into the top 12, I see no reason why Kyler Murray can't do the same. This dude is going to be running all around. He has a good running game to help keep the pressure off him. He has a decent receiving core. It's not great. I know people, I'm definitely lower than some of the experts out there when it comes to the wide receiver core for there. I'm not a big fan of it, but I mean, I think Kyler Murray, he showed, he's shown in college that he's accurate and he, he makes good passes. Now, one thing that kind of concerns me is in the uh, OTAs, he came out and said that there's a big difference between college and the pros when it comes to the size of the window you have to throw it in. So I guess we kind of have to see if he can get it in that window or not. If he can't do it on a regular basis, then he could be in for a world of hurt. But even if he does struggle, his legs are going to keep him safe. So I like Kyler Murray. I definitely think he could come in and be a top 12 quarterback in rookie season. All right. Well, I have a question for you. Seeing how this is an episode where we're going back in time, do you see Kyler having a similar rookie campaign as your boy RG3 did? Oh, that's tough. You know I love me some RG3. Um, man, They're that's similar. a good question. They, they are similar athletes. Uh, I mean, RG3 definitely 
his legs were ridiculous. But I mean, Kyler has the legs and he has a cannon. So I'm, I don't know. What do you think? I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to say no. RG3's rookie season, he finished as a top five quarterback. And RG3 was, he's a, he was a bigger body. He was a bigger frame. I feel like he has a, he had a better arm, a better deep ball. And I think better targets also. So I don't think he can come in to be a top five guy like my guy RG3 did. But hopefully Kyler Murray's smart enough to, you know, slide when he's running out of the pocket and not just stand up like a punching bag. Yeah, I don't know. I see some similarities in him. I think, uh, I mean, RG3, he didn't really have that big a frame, though, if you think about it. He was kind of scrawny. I think Kyler is a little bit more built. He just is smaller in stature. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm on the I'm on the, the Kyler having a good season side. I, I think he's going to come out and play pretty well. Yeah, no, when I said RG3 had a bigger frame, I meant just he was taller. Like, he had a taller profile. He, and, I mean, I guess you could say, I guess if you were doing, like, a physical comparison, Murray would definitely compare way more to a Russell Wilson. But, I mean, let's not let's not throw him in the same breath as Russell Wilson yet. Let's let <clears throat> this young kid go out and let's see how he does. In, in his first couple games and we'll see what we can do. I know when RG3 had his first game, I'll never forget it because I drafted him in all my fantasy leagues and I put him on the bench because I wasn't sure if you could trust him week one because I mean, he's a rookie quarterback. You don't know what he's going to do. And they played against they played against the, uh, the Saints and I kept on checking my phone and the dude was lighting the world on fire. And I was like, oh my God, like... And then I ended up winning the uh, the fantasy championship with him that year. So I love me some RG3. And don't you dare say Kyler Murray's better than that man. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, I, similar to that story, uh, when Cam was a rookie, I drafted Cam in a bunch of leagues. And I remember I sat him the first two weeks of his rookie year, and he balled out both of those weeks. And I remember saying to myself, like, is this rookie really going to keep this up? And sure enough, Cam did. So I mean, a rookie can a rookie with that game style that can use his legs and take off and has a strong arm. They have proven in the past on occasion where they can come in and, and just hit the ground running and just take off. So I'm not saying Kyler is going to be the next Cam, but I mean, I think he has a very good chance, and he's in a good situation too. I know the Cardinals don't seem like you know a team that you want to like. Nobody's going to sit around and watch the Cardinals play. But they have David Johnson, who is just a, a couple years away from being a, an absolute freak show rookie. So, I mean, I think he's in a good situation. I think he's going to have a good year. All right. The, the next question comes in from Jesse. This is coming in from our Facebook community. He wants us to, to take a look at the depth chart of the Rams. And he wants to know if the Rams actually have three legit wide receivers that could be top 20 this year. So, what do you think? Do you think the Rams can uh, sustain three top twenty wide receivers? I mean, they have they have a good three headed monster there, but I don't think all three will crack the top twenty. We're not really sure what's going on with Cup and his injury. Uh, I'm a Brandon Cooks guy. Uh, I like Brandon Cooks, but Robert Woods is the more consistent guy. So, I mean, it, it's tough. It's tough with the Rams receivers because all three of them get looks. Um. I don't know. Uh, I'm not. I don't think they. Uh, to answer the question, I do not think all three will be in the top ten. 
See, it, it's tough because, first of all, I mean, how much faith do you have in Jared Goff? Like, do you think Jared Goff has the talent to sustain three wide receivers? Like, that's hard for any quarterback to keep three wide receivers in the top 20. And then, I mean, if you think about it, when all three of them were healthy last year, Cooper Cup was probably the best fantasy player out of the three of them. And you wouldn't think it, but he was off just such a blaze heart. And then when he went down, it was definitely Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods show. You said you're a Brandon Cooks guy, I'm a Robert Woods guy, but it would have surprised me if Cooper Cup comes in and he finishes better than both of them. Absolutely not. But if you had to pick between Robert Woods or Brandon Cooks, I mean, I firmly have both of them inside my top 24. So, like, which one of those would fall? I mean, I feel like it would kind of have to be Cup. Maybe he doesn't come back the player he was before he went down with the injury. I know he got banged up a lot. I mean, he got hurt multiple times last year, but it was the last one that took him out for good. So, uh, we kind of have to wait and see, but I just, I just don't see Goff having three wide receivers in the top 20. It's just... I can't put my nose on which one is going to fall outside of that. And if I had to guess, it would probably be Cup. But, I mean, we'll see what it looks like when he comes back from his injury. Well, I mean, it is tough because well, if you think about it, all three receivers are three different types of receivers. So, like, Cooper Cup. Well, the thing with Cooper Cup, he does a little bit of both. But he's more of like a – I see him as more of like a slot guy go across the middle and all that. But he has a great relationship with Goff. That's why he gets so many looks. Brandon Cooks is like the big play guy, you know, gonna he's the burner. And then Robert Woods is like a possession receiver. So you got three different kinds of receiver. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, no, I mean, I'm sticking with Cooks, but if Cup is 100%, I'd probably go Cooper Cup, to be honest. Yeah, and I mean, a good strategy to do on draft day is just, you know, let two of the Rams go off the board and just grab whichever one's left over. And you got just as good a chance as the other two guys to get the best uh, wide receiver out of the group. Now, Jesse also submitted another question. He said, with the Colts' uh, new offensive line, will it make Marlon Mack a top 12 running back, health permitting? Now, I'm going to take this one first, you son of a bitch. Marlon Mack. <laughs> Marlon Mack definitely could be a top 12 running back if he stays healthy this season. Now, the passing game, yes, we all know the passing game is going to hurt him. He's not a pass catcher. He can catch a few. He can probably, he'll probably get a maybe mid-30s in receptions, which is definitely low for a running back. He definitely like more than that. But the Colts are rated out to have the number one offensive line in football. You got Andrew Luck, who's arguably a top three quarterback in the NFL. They got T.Y. Hilton opening it up. Uh, stack the box. The Colts are going to have probably a top five scoring offense, maybe top three scoring offense in the NFL. So there's going to be tons of opportunities for Mac to punch the ball into the red zone. Remember that bold prediction was, I believe, 17 touchdowns. Hopefully, you can see Marlon Mack finishing a top 12 running back. I am not afraid to draft him. And this is all coming down to his health, though. If he stays healthy, I think he will be a top 12. I uh, I agree. I think if he can stay healthy in that offense, I think he could he could be higher than the top twelve. I think he could be a top ten. He does have a lot of potential, but it does come down to injury. So, I mean, if he can stay healthy, yeah, I believe he could definitely be top twelve. But 
can he is the bigger question. All right, last question. It comes up. He asks, who is going to win the Royal Rumble? Ooh. Uh, I mean, I'd be lying to you if I said I've watched wrestling in the past 10 years, but, uh, you know, I mean, if I was watching Royal Rumble, I would just hope, uh, you know, Rocky, my view, would come down <laughs> and uh, just start rock bombing people. That's, that's, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> And my uh, my bold prediction for the Royal Rumble is my guy Stone Cold Steve Austin, Austin three sixteen. He's gonna come down to that ring. He's gonna open up a big can of whoop ass. <laughs> and I also haven't watched wrestling in at least ten years. And uh, yeah, no, back in the day wrestling was the shit. But now I probably can't name more than two people. Wrestling was the fucking shit back in the day. I just I don't know. I think the last episode I think I watched was like when they had like the draft and they took Brock Lesnar first and actually you know I probably watched it a little bit after that but that's I think when John Cena came into play actually is like when I kind of stopped how, how about that for a future podcast for fun huh top 10 wrestlers that'd be interesting oh my god no you know it would be a really good one is we could do a fucking WWE slash WWF mock draft. How the, how the hell would you do that? I mean, I'd, I'd go, I'd find the roster from like the mid-2000s, kind of like kind of like the show we're doing today. I'll go back in time, do the time machine, I'll pull up the roster sheet from SmackDown and Raw, and then we'll get the community together, and we'll, we'll fucking mock draft it. I mean, if you can put that together, I am 100% down. As long as I'm telling you. I mean, who? All right, let me ask you this then. If you had the number one pick in a wrestling match, who would you take? Oh man, that's tough. That is so tough. I would be. I would. It would be a toss-up between between The Rock, Stone Cold, and The Undertaker. And as a Shit, man. Probably, I'd probably go The Rock. But, I mean, The Rock and Stone Cold, man, what's better than that? You know what I mean? It's like, who do you pick out of those two? Yeah, it, it was so entertaining watching it back in the day. I'd, I'd go with Stone Cold because I've always looked Stone Cold. I mean, the best finisher of all time was Stone Cold Stunner. I mean, hands down. But uh, my, dark horse, my Dark Horse pick, though, I was always a keen kind of guy. I loved me the Big Red Machine. Nah, you like gold dust. Oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> your, favorite, your favorite wrestler was Val Venus. I actually completely forgot that Val Venus was a guy. <laughs> Hello, uh, ladies. Hello, ladies. <laughs> All right, that's All enough. Right, well, Let's get into well, the goddamn... Go ahead. Well, one second. So if I'm a Val Venus guy, you're definitely a sexual chocolate Mark Henry guy. <laughs> Yeah, you got damn right. <laughs> oh my god. Alright, we gotta we gotta get you to this uh Alright, let's get into this draft. You ready you got your bags packed, you ready to jump into this fucking time machine? Let's do it, man. Alright. So 
you have some honorable mentions. I did not take down any honorable mentions, but I'll let you go first. I'll love them if they come into my head, but I do have my top 10 list ready. So why don't you give us your honorable mentions? All right. So obviously, like we're saying, it is so hard to choose just 10 players from like, like anywhere from like 98 to now. It's so hard. So I got, I have three honorable mentions. I could have named a million more, but um, my honorable mentions are Jamal Charles. All right. I had him, I had him probably three or four years in a row when he was in his prime with the Chiefs. And it was so much fun watching that dude run. I remember that one game in the playoffs against the Raiders, he had 51 points. And I smacked down your boy in our league. Oh, my God. I'll never forget that moment. So I'm kind of biased to have Charles up there. Um, Another honorable mention. I know it's only been one big year, but I'm throwing Pat Mahomes in there. Anytime a quarterback can throw for 50, you got to give him some kind of mention. That was one of the greatest quarterback seasons we've ever seen. So I'm throwing Mahomes in there. And then the last honorable mention I had, which it's so hard to leave him off my top 10 list. He, He would be like my like number 10 B but Sean Alexander Seattle Seahawks the MVP season he had 28 touchdowns that he he just 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 missed my list alright now I'm, I'm not going to do any honorable mentions but I'm going to start off the list because you just took number 10 fantasy player I don't want to say of all time my personal top 10 uh, player is Sean Alexander. This was strictly from the 2005 season with the Seattle Seahawks. Now, like you said, the dude had 27 rushing touchdowns. He had only one through the air, so he had 28 <clears throat> touchdowns altogether. He had 880 rushing yards, and the one him was he only had 15 catches. That is like, I mean, that's twice as much as Sony Michelle had last year. But 15 catches for a running back is absolutely awful. He had 15 catches with 78 yards and one touchdown on the whole year. But with only having 15 catches, he absolutely murdered the NFL. He still finished with a top 25 fantasy season of all time. And that was him barely even going out and running a route. I mean, anytime you can have 27 rushing touchdowns in a year and you have that guy on your fantasy team, that is absolutely insane. Now, when Sean Alexander was doing this, I did I had zero ownership of him. I did not have him in any league. And I just had to sit there and just kick myself in the ass for passing up on him because I can only imagine how it was having a guy like that on your team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't think I had him either. Yeah, he was too high of a pick. I, I I don't know. I think back in those days, like 05, when I did play, I was still relatively new to the whole thing, and I just played favorites. You know, it was before I really started playing for money. But, um, yeah, I just remember watching him play. And, I mean, if you were a defender and the Seahawks lined up and 37 was coming at you, you were getting trucked. Like, it, it, that guy was so much fun to watch. And, like you said, he wasn't involved in the passing game at all. Like, he was just strictly running through the tackles and just just pulverizing the defense. He was he was a pretty awesome player to watch. Yeah, yeah but another thing about him, too, was that, like you said, the dude didn't run any routes. So it made it so defenses knew what was coming when he was lined up, and they just couldn't stop him. 
It was just it was like trying to fucking tackle a truck. Yeah, no, it really was. Um, all right, so my number ten. I don't know if you expected me to put this guy on my list, but he's one of your boys. All right. Oh wow! So my number ten fantasy player is Bobby Fino himself, Arian Foster. Oh, you know what? I'm impressed. You made me proud. For a second, I thought you were going to go RG3 on me, but Aaron Foster is my guy. Much respect. Uh, now, specifically, the 2010 to 2012 seasons, that, that three-year span he had with the Texans was ridiculous. And, I mean, if you think back to those, those years, he was the number one guy on the draft board. He was the number one running back you wanted. I mean, in 2010, he had 1,600 yards and 16 touchdowns. He, he he was a threat in the passing game, too, but he never got more than two touchdowns in those years. But, I mean, in 2010, he had over 2,000 yards from scrimmage and 18 touchdowns total, I mean. And then he followed up the next year with 1,800 scrimmage yards and 12 more touchdowns. And that was, that was with him missing time. I think he only played, like, 13 games. So if he played the full season, he probably would have did better than he did the year before. So Aaron Foster is my number ten. His running style was so unique. He he was like he was a very a very exciting player to watch. He had that little that little cut move where he would just burn people left and right. Yeah, no, I I absolutely love Foster. He was one of my favorite players of all time. And uh, a quick little thing about just because you know going back about the that aren't playing anymore. And like how historic they are, we're gonna have some stories about these players. And I remember the first time I ever owned Arian Foster. It was in 2011. All right, the, uh, you just released the draft order for your league that we're still playing today. And I remember I had the second pick, and I was sitting there. And this is back when people weren't—I feel like people weren't as savvy when it came to taking quarterbacks later. So I'm sitting there with the second pick in the draft just waiting to see who I'm going to get. And the person who was picking number one drafted Aaron Rodgers. As soon as he took Aaron Rodgers, I jumped off the couch in excitement. Because I was like, I just locked up. Because it was a keeper league. I was like, I just locked up fucking Arian Foster for the, uh, for the foreseeable future. Now, the foreseeable future wasn't as long as I wanted it to be because all the injuries popped up. But I was shit when I got Arian Foster. And pick in the draft. Yeah, it's tough for these running backs because, I mean, it's very rare for a running back to have like a career that lasts. Like, really, if you almost feel like they're in their prime on average now for like what, like three to five years, and then they start falling off. So it's tough that they, they take a pounding constantly. So Aaron Foster really had three good years. I remember, I remember, I had Foster. At one point when he was in his prime. And then a couple of years later, I drafted him when he was coming off that injury. And I thought I made a slick move. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to get a good value on Aaron Foster. And it did not work out. It did not work out. So he pretty much had three very, like, very good years. And then he kind of fizzled out a little bit. Yeah, I, I remember I was still an Arian Foster believer when he went to the Dolphins. And I was just like, oh, please, God. Like, I hope he's back from his injury. And I'm thinking about taking him in, like, the fifth round of that year. 
And it, it was just a nightmare. It, it's unfortunate, too, because the dude was, he was undrafted. He didn't even get drafted. And he took over the NFL for a good three years. So, I, uh, yeah. not much. Yeah. No, I was going to say, he, he was just such a beast in that, in that short span. Yeah. Now, it's funny, we're going to get into my number nine right now. And it's funny you bring up running backs that fizzle out. Because, oh boy, is my number nine a running back who fizzled out hard. <laughs> <laughs> my number no. nine. Now, now it's funny because you took my guy. I'm about to take your guy. Okay. My number nine is CJ2K Chris Johnson. Wow. All right. Yep. Now, this is strictly the 2009 season when he earned the nickname CJ2K. The boy rushed for 2,006 yards on the ground, added another 500 yards through the air on 50 receptions. So he had over 2,500 yards and a total of 16 touchdowns. Chris Johnson was so see because every time he touched the ball, he was a legitimate threat to bring it to the house. The dude was blazing fast. He had like the like the gold grill in his mouth for a little extra for a little extra sauce that was always fun to watch. And not to mention he was just a cheat code and mad. So he had a really good 2009. I thought you'd appreciate that one, and I knew there was no way you'd expect him to be on my list. I definitely did not see him being on your list at all. But um, no, he was he was a beast. I remember, I remember in 2009, we, I was in a league. It wasn't our league. I think it might have been a work league. But I had him and Adrian Peterson together, and it was probably the best two-headed monster I've ever had at running back. Yeah, like, you had CJ rushing for 2,000. You had Peterson getting, like, almost 20 touchdowns. It was crazy. But CJ2K, he was so much fun to watch. He, he, like, he would just take a pitch outside, and if he hit the corner, he was gone. You could not catch this guy. And, I mean, he's another one, too. Like, he actually, he had, what, I mean, he had, like, six seasons or something like that. Six, His first six seasons, I think he hit over 1,000 yards. So he wasn't just like a, a like a running back that fizzled out. He actually had a decent career with the Titans, and then I mean he got traded to the Jets, and then that kind of just disappeared. But I mean, yeah, he uh, he's definitely one of my favorite players to watch. He did not make my list though. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure if he would, but like I said, this is my top ten list. Like there's some favoritism in there, and I definitely went with my guys as a. And Chris Johnson was just too much fun to watch. So that's why he made my number nine. Who do you got? My number nine could arguably be much higher on this list when you look at his numbers. But my number nine is Marvin Harrison. Okay. Now, Marvin Harrison wasn't always like the sexy draft pick. He wasn't, like, if you think about the receivers in that generation from, like, the mid to late 90s to the mid-2000s, all of those receivers, all the big-name receivers, like Moss and T.O. and Jostenko, like, they all just ran their mouth. You know, Joe Horn, all those guys, like, this guy kept his mouth shut. He let his play do the talking. He had eight straight seasons with 1,100 receiving yards and 10 touchdowns. Eight straight seasons. That's crazy. 
that he uh i mean him and Peyton Manning had some of the craziest like they they have to be the best duo of all time I don't really know what other duo would be better than them but uh, I mean just real quick he had that one season in 2002 he had 143 catches 1700 receiving yards like if you just look at this guy's stats from 99 to 06 it's unfreaking real what this guy did Yeah, um, I definitely can't argue with that. I thought about putting him on my list, but as a Patriot fan, I didn't want to put him on there. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. Uh, see, I have a different perspective on it, though. Like having him be a cult and all the challenge, like all the battles we had with them, I gained a respect for that man. Like that dude was damn near unstoppable, and he never opened his mouth. He never talked any trash. But this guy would go out and catch 10 balls in 100 yards like every game. It was freaking crazy. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely see why he'd make your list. I'm not mad. All right, let's get into my number eight. Now, my number eight is my first quarterback. Okay. I'm going at number eight. I'm going Peyton Manning. From the 2013 season. Oh, that's a hell of a choice right there. In 2013, this fucking guy threw for almost 5,000 passing yards, 55 touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown on somehow negative 31 rushing yards? Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, that, like, that's crazy. The a lot of kneel like, down. 55 100 passing yards with 55 touchdowns. That is absolutely insane. And it's crazy because he's doing this in Denver. So he's doing this on the back half of his career. And he just absolutely fucking took over that season. And he was just unstoppable. And him, Demarius Thomas, and Eric Decker. And uh, oh, who's the tight end they had over there? Uh, Julius, Julius Thomas? Thomas? Yep. Yeah, Julius Thomas. Like, those three, I mean, that offense probably the most dangerous and terrifying offense for your regular football team to be going up against. In fantasy, you did not want to see Peyton Manning that year. No, I mean, Peyton, Peyton did, was on another planet that season. I mean, 55 touchdowns, I mean, that's crazy. I mean, he did have a lot of weapons over there. But um, I think the most impressive thing about that was people kind of wrote him off a little bit after that neck injury. And uh, that could have been career. That, that jeopardized his career, that injury. And he got that surgery, and the next thing you know, the guy's back on top throwing 55 touchdowns. So Peyton Manning balled out that year. All right, who do you got for your number eight? My number eight is also a quarterback, but it's not Peyton Manning. My number eight is Michael Vick. Ooh, I like that. So, specifically, the 2006 and the 2010 seasons. So, 2006 in Atlanta, Michael Vick, if you look at his passing stats, he had 2,400 passing yards, 20 touchdowns, 13 picks. That's pedestrian. That's not that great. But on the ground, this man had 1,039 rushing yards with two touchdowns. 
He had over a thousand yards rushing at quarterback. That's the most ever. That'll probably never happen again. He had more rushing yards than some of the elite running backs that season. That's mind-boggling. And then, you know, he goes through his legal issues, and, you know, he, he comes back. 2010 in Philly, he has 3,000 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, and only six picks. So I, that was solid. And then he comes back. He had 676 rushing yards, but he had nine rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, he had one season in his career with 1,000 rushing yards, and he had another one with damn near 10 rushing touchdowns. In my opinion, he's the most explosive quarterback ever. I know, you know, he didn't put up the crazy stats. He never got a ring or nothing like that. But, I mean, if we're talking fantasy, if we're talking fantasy, this man was so much fun to watch. He was like a human highlight reel. He was a cheat code, especially in Madden. You guys know what I'm talking about. If you had a friend that drafted Michael Vick in Madden, he was a cheater. We used to make rules against drafting Michael Vick in Madden. Like, he was so dangerous. If he, if he left the pocket and took off, it was, it was curtains. That's my number eight. Michael Vick. No, Michael Vick is fucking nasty. I loved Michael Vick. Now I had him, I had him on my team when he was in Philly. What year did you say was his big year in Philly? 2010. Yeah, 2010. I remember I took him in 2010. out with some friends, and I was on the phone with you because you told me that I was on the clock, so I wasn't going to make it to my computer in time. And you told me I was on the clock, and I think it was the, I think it might have been the, there's the first, I had the swing pick, so I was picking at 10 and 11, and this is like the absolute perfect segue, watch what I'm about to do right here. So, I took Michael Vick at the 10 spot, and then I followed it up with my back-to-back, taking my number seven fantasy player of all time. Wide receiver for the Detroit Lions, Calvin Johnson. Okay. Nice segue. Hey, how perfect is that? I mean, that's my, my picks back then. So, Calvin Johnson, this is his 2011 season, okay? This was his big breakout. This dude was absolutely insane. He definitely earned the nickname uh, Megatron. Now, he had 96 receptions, which that's okay. But he, he was pushing 1,700 receiving yards with 16 touchdowns. He was he, he's a giant at 6'5". He had phenomenal hands. And I remember when I had him that year, his first four games out of the gate, he had two first three games, actually. His first three games, he had touchdowns in all three games. And when I right after that that stretch, I was like, I just drafted like the best receiver in football. And back then, it was it was between the two Johnsons, really. It was like, do you like Andre Johnson or do you like Calvin Johnson? And in 2011, I think this is when in 2010 it started. I think 2011 is when Calvin Johnson took over the title as uh, the number one fantasy wide receiver in football. Yeah, I mean, between Andre and Calvin Johnson, that you really. You're really set if you had either of them. Calvin was such a beast. Uh, he was just so he was so monstrous on the field. It wasn't even fair. Like you have cornerbacks that were like five nine trying to guard this guy. It's like okay, it's like he basically had the same impact that like Shaquille O'Neal had in the NBA. Like he was just so much bigger and stronger than every cornerback playing him. Uh, oh, man, Calvin was a beast. 
Yep. If uh, if any of you guys out there, maybe you're a little younger, you don't remember who Calvin Johnson is, you need to look it's on YouTube and you'll be like, Wow, we just we don't have we don't have receivers like this in the NFL today. Calvin Johnson was a different kind of monster. Like picture picture like Julio's body, but taller and a much better red zone receiver. Shit, I mean if we're saying that about Calvin Johnson I mean, Marvin Marvin Harrison got drafted in friggin' like 95, so you better look up some highlights of that guy, too. I wouldn't even know who I'm talking about. I will say this <laughs> while I brought him back up real quick. I mean, I, I do think Odell probably had the best catch ever against the Cowboys. That was crazy. But my personal favorite catch of all time was Marvin Harrison. And I don't even remember who they were playing, but, I mean, he – fully extended he caught it with one hand it was just absolutely crazy but anyway I'm gonna get to my number seven all right my number seven you just mentioned Peyton Manning and I won't go too in depth with Peyton because you already covered a lot of stuff but just in just to make a quick note in 2004 he threw for 4,500 yards and 49 touchdowns of 10 picks that was in Indy uh nine years later he goes for almost 5,500 yards and 55 touchdowns with 10 picks. So just to show you a little a little sample size of the dominance Peyton Manning had in this league, uh, I mean, obviously, everybody knows by now we're New England fans, so all the battles between Brady and Manning were so, so sick. Like, you had the two greatest of all time just going at it. So, oh, man, so much fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, just watching Peyton out on the field every day, every every Sunday, this man was like a friggin' brain surgeon. Like he, he just he dissected offenses like I've never seen before. Yeah. Plus, I mean, he has a gigantic fucking head. So, oh, that's a, that's a yeah. He got a big ass head. But you, you bring up you bring up the brain surgeon thing. That's why, like, when you said that, I just. Immediately had a picture of that gigantic fucking forehead. Oh, man, massive. He had a special made helmet, I think. Okay, so now we're on to number six. Now, this is where I br- I'm brought up a guy that you already covered. My number six of all time is Arian Foster. And again, this is specifically the 2010 season when he had over 2,000 all-purpose yards with 18 touchdowns, 66 receptions. Um... Uh, like you said, I don't want to, like Peyton Manning, I don't want to go too much into him because you covered pretty much all of it. But Arian Foster's play style was just something that you don't really see today. The closest comp, I'd say, would be Le'Veon Bell, but Arian Foster is bigger. Arian Foster was taller. Now, it was just so patient. Like the zone blocking that the Texans used to do, and Foster would just, you know, hang around in the back, at like, a, like a nice jog. And then as soon as he saw that hole open up, he burst through it at that big frame. And he was just unbelievably lethal. And he was really utilized in the passing game, too. He was just an he was just an all-around phenomenal running back. And every time you when, whenever you had him for a season, you figured he was a lock for about a hundred yards and a touchdown every single week. He was unbelievably consistent. And he definitely deserves a spot in my top ten, because that is my guy. And he was on my team that won my first fantasy championship ever. So Aaron Foster always holds that special place in my heart. Love you, bro. Yeah, see, the thing with Foster, like when I think of Aaron Foster, 
the first thought that pops in my head, like I kind of touched on when I was going over everything, just that one cut run style. Like he would be patient, he would be jogging, and then once he once he saw the hole, he would just cut and he was gone. And, and like he wasn't the fastest, he wasn't the biggest, he wasn't the strongest, but he was one of the most effective running backs I've ever watched play. But um, all right, so going into my number six. My number six is Tom Brady. And I can already hear everybody saying, oh, blah, blah, blah. Listen, between my six and seven, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, it's really, it goes back and forth. I give Brady the edge because he is the greatest ever. Now, the 2007 season, I mean, yeah, you can argue Peyton had 55 touchdowns in the snap, but in 07, when Brady had his 50 touchdowns and only eight picks, that was the most explosive offense we've ever seen. They went 16-0. and They were unstoppable. I mean, Brady, Brady was on level like he was on god like levels that year it was ridiculous um but yeah i mean tom brady tom brady and that randy moss connection was just something else in 07 and uh i mean i don't i mean i'm not even gonna go into too much tom brady is my number six i'm sure people are sick of hearing about this guy (laughs) you want to hear a good one let's uh let's the hater let the haters keep hating because my number five fantasy player of all time is the 07 Tom Brady. <laughs> oh my God. He, I mean, like, what more can you say about this guy? He has championship pedigree. He's hand. He's running out of fingers to put rings on. The dude, like you said, 16 and 0 season. Yeah, it ended on some utter bullshit that we're not going to speak of on this fantasy channel. But, I mean, since then, I mean, when was the last time the Giants done anything? I don't even remember that game, man. All, all I remember is a whole heaping amount of Tom Brady, Randy Moss connection. And uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. So who do you got for number five? Uh, my number five is, oddly enough, Randy Moss. <laughs> not just because of the 07 season with the Patriots, but let's not forget, in Minnesota, Randy Moss is the reason why I loved playing football. Randy Moss is the reason why I love playing receiver. I would practice one-hand catches just trying to be like this guy. Like, he was – he's he could be my favorite football player of all time. And, I, like, he came right in, right out the gate in 1998. He had only 69 catches, but he had 1,300 yards and 17 touchdowns, 19 yards a catch. And then, you know, a few years later, 03, he has 1,600 receiving yards, 17 more touchdowns. And then four years later, he goes to New England, 1,500 receiving yards, 23 touchdowns. Randy Moss was the most athletic. Like, his athleticism, combination with the speed, and then combine that with probably the best hands we've ever seen. I mean, obviously, he's up there with Jerry Rice, but I'm not going that back. I'm not going far enough to talk about Jerry Rice right now. Randy Moss, in my opinion, is the greatest receiver ever, and especially fantasy-wise, like, he dominated every time he was on the field, except for those two years in Oakland. But we're not talking about that. So, uh, all right, what pick are we on now? Is this my number four? You're going to number four. All right, you uh, you really want to make the people out there mad? Are you going Randy Moss? <laughs> Randy Moss is my number four fantasy player of all time. <laughs> oh, man. We just lost half our followers. 
it's funny because when I was making this list, right? I mean, I have Randy Moss down for the 2007 season. For the 2007 season. And I couldn't. It was hard for me to put one over the other because they, like, obviously, there was a lot of correlation between the two. Tom Brady was the one slinging it to Randy. And Randy was probably the best thing I've ever seen catching the ball. And first thing, when you think Randy Moss, right, the first thing that I think of, the one always sticks out to me with Randy Moss, the first thing my mind goes to is when he absolutely torched Darrell Revis and he had that one-hand touchdown catch in the back of the end zone. And it was when Randy just knew he was going to eat this man alive. Like, right from the snap, he put his hand up, and Tom Brady just threw it right over the top. He absolutely won my heart over. Oddly enough, I actually still have my Patriots Randy Moss jersey, and that is my draft day jersey that I still wear to this day. Randy Moss is an absolute legend. my opinion, he is the most talented receiver to ever do it. And uh, he's definitely the kind of guy where if he was if he came by uh, the New England area, I'd definitely buy him a beer, no question about it. Yeah, no, Randy Moss is probably my favorite player ever. Uh, now going into my number four. So now I'm before like when I was in the process of making this list, I had all these players jotted down just off the top of my head, and I'm looking at it and I'm like I'm missing something. There's somebody, somebody missing. I couldn't really figure it out. And then I, you know, I took some time to think about it. And then it hit me. And that player went directly all the way up to my number four, right off the rip. My number four fantasy player of all time is Adrian Peterson. Um, I'm not surprised. Adrian Peterson, it was an absolute monster. I didn't, I didn't get him on my list just because I tried not to have any players that are playing today on mine. But I'm not mad at you at all for having Adrian Peterson. Now, when I think Adrian Peterson, I remember, I remember watching the game, and I was watching the Pats play somebody. I can't remember. And anyway, they they kept cutting in and, and giving you updates on the Vikings Chargers game, and Adrian Peterson rushed for what, what's the record? 297 rushing yards as a rookie. He was untouchable, absolutely untouchable. He uh, like. I don't know if there's, like, I mean, obviously, you know, we're going to touch on other running backs on this list, but Peterson's still doing it. He's He was pretty productive last year, even at his age, on a trashy team. But, I mean, seven of his first nine seasons, seven of the first nine, he had at least 1,200 rushing yards. And then eight of his first nine years in the league, he had at least 10 touchdowns. Like, that is just consistency. And then don't forget about the season in 2012. He had almost 2,100 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. 2,100 rushing yards. That, he got the MVP that year. The Vikings were not good. Well, who they have a quarterback? Christian Ponder, right? They made the playoffs. That man dragged that team to the playoffs by himself. Rushing against eight in the box. That was such a dominant performance. So I, I could not leave Peterson off this list. He's actually in the top five on my list. My number four, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I'm, I'm not mad at that at, at all. I remember the one play that comes to mind when I think Adrian Peterson was, I, I think it might have been against the Browns. I don't remember exactly, but that iconic stiff arm, where it wasn't just a stiff arm. It was like a disrespectful face throw. Grabbed the guy and like threw him out of bounds by his face. 
Yeah, I remember that. that Peterson has a highlight reel of just like mutilating defenders like that could go for like hours. Uh, like I remember, oh man, who the hell was it? I think it was against Arizona. He just absolutely trucked somebody to get into the end zone. Like it, there hasn't really been that much size and that much like speed. Like if you look at the running backs in the league today, like Barkley, I mean, Barkley has a speed, he has a strength, but he's not, he's no Peterson. Like David Johnson, David Johnson, his body type is similar to Peterson's, but he's just missing something. Like Peterson just has that factor where he's on the field. Like you're not going to get between him and the end zone. Like he's, he's going to get there. You know what I mean? It might take him, you know, 10, 20 tries. He's going to be in the end zone at some point in that game. Yeah, no, I love Adrian Peterson. And I think the thing you're talking about that, like, David Johnson's missing, I just feel like Adrian Peterson just, like, he has that attitude. He's just mean when he has the ball. Like, he's just – like, he has no regard for human life when he's running that rock. He's going to get to where he wants to get. And he'll go through you, over you, or around you. Yeah, uh, I mean, pretty much. He, he was just just a freak show talent, like, unbelievable. Okay, so my number three is also a running back. I'm going a little bit further back, though. I'm going to the year 2000. I'm going with Marshall Falk from the St. Louis Rams. Now, personally, I'm not a big Marshall Falk fan. I think I, I think I might have had his jersey when I was younger. I was just a, I was just a little kid back then. But you did. The you season had, after, you had his Rams jersey. I think I had what? I had his Rams jersey. I think I had I had a Saints jersey. Who who would I have from the Saints? Uh from the Saints, you, oh, you had a uh, you had Aaron Brooks, I think. Number 2. Yeah, right? I think it was, yeah, it was an, yeah, it was a fucking Aaron Brooks jersey. Aaron I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Jesus Christ. Where the hell what happened to that guy? I have no fucking clue, uh, but I think I just got the jersey because I liked the Saints color schemes back then. Like I said, I was I was really young then, but this Marshall Folk season is absolutely absurd. The dude had about thirteen hundred sixty rushing yards, which I mean that that's good by today's standards. Like that's like that's what you'd expect like any running backs today to do. But the dude chipped in over 800 receiving yards, 830 to be exact, on 81 receptions. When you see 81 receptions, 830 yards, you add that with 1,300 rushing yards. It's over 2,000. And the dude had, what, 26 touchdowns? Yeah, 26 touchdowns. That was was the record at the time. Yep, 26 all-purpose touchdowns over 2,000 yards, 81 catches. The dude is just... I just it's an absolutely fucking phenomenal season. Like if you if you had him on your team, like there was no doubt that yeah he was the number one running back. Yeah, I mean Marshall Falk, you can't say enough about this guy. Uh, my number three. Now it's funny you bring up Marshall Falk getting twenty six touchdowns in two thousand because my number three actually broke that record in two thousand three with twenty seven touchdowns. My number three. Fancy player of all time is the one and only, the often forgotten Priest Holmes. Now, yeah, as soon as soon as, go ahead. I was just gonna say, if you are listening to this podcast and you don't recall 
or you don't know who Priest Holmes is, you need to get on YouTube right now. Because this dude, from 2001 to 2003, took the league over. What were you going to say about Priest? That I knew exactly who you were talking about as soon as you said he broke the Marshall Falk record. I was like, fuck, that's the Priest Holmes. Yep. I mean, from 2001 to 2003, right? Again, kind of like Arian Foster. Like, he had injury problems. So he came in, he came into the league, he dominated. I mean, he actually played a few seasons, maybe four or five seasons in Baltimore. And then he just got traded to the Chiefs and it just clicked. And in 2001, his first year with the Chiefs, I believe the first year with the Chiefs, uh, he had 1,555 rushing yards, eight touchdowns. And then tacked on 62 catches, 600 yards, and two touchdowns. So he had 2,100 yards from scrimmage. The second year, he follows up. He had eight rushing touchdowns in 2001. In 2002, he jumped out to 21 rushing touchdowns with 1,600 yards. Tacked on 70 catches and three more touchdowns. So he had over 2,000 scrimmage yards again, almost 2,300 scrimmage yards. And then in 2003... He gets 27 rushing touchdowns, breaks the NFL record for most touchdowns in a season. Surprisingly enough, he didn't have any receiving touchdowns that season, but 27 was enough to give him the record. This dude was just such a beast. I remember sitting down just watching this guy play, and I'm just like, oh, wow. Like, he's not even – this like, it's his league. He basically took over in those three years. Yeah, no, that was – Absolutely one hell of a season in 03. And that is why Priest Holmes is my number two fantasy player. Okay. Now, that, there's, that, there's a reason why I had Marshall Falk three and the Priest two. It's because the Priest actually broke his record. But I remember when I first knew that this kid was a serious problem, I remember we were actually, I believe we were actually at Uncle Mike's. And I remember flipping the channels, and at four o'clock, it was the uh, the Chiefs game. And this dude was unbelievable. I feel like every time he got the ball, he was ripping off huge chunk plays of yards, and he just looked absolutely unstoppable. And I agree. If you guys out there listening don't know who Priest Holmes is, you absolutely have to look it up because when you see him, you'll just be like, "How come people don't run like that in the NFL today?" Like this dude was something else when he had the ball. Yeah, no, he, he really was. I mean, it's just ridiculous. I, and I mean, honestly, I wasn't sure if you're going to have him on the list. I wasn't sure if you would remember to add him to your list. So I was kind of, I was wondering where he was going to be, if at all. I'm proud of you for putting number two. My number two, though, is your number three, Marshall Falk. Now, the reason why I have him over Priest Holmes is because Marshall Falk did it for so long. And, uh, I mean, he had five years in a row. Now, I mean, you covered a lot, but think about this at the running back position. Back then, too, like now the game is different where receivers are more dynamic and they do make, make a lot of catches and, and, and all that shit. But back then, he had five years in a row with 80-plus catches. And that goes from Indy to St. Louis. So he transitioned teams and still was getting his, his catches up. He also had four straight years of 1,300 rushing yards, which is very, very impressive. And then, yeah, like you said, before Priest broke it in 03, in 2000, he had 26 total touchdowns. So, I mean, Marshall Falk is my number two. The greatest show on turf when he went to St. Louis, 
I mean, it was in a whole nother ball game. That offense was just tearing people apart with Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. But um, I just got to put him over Priest by a little bit, only because Priest just did it in a shorter – he had a shorter window of domination. Uh, Marshall Folk just did it for longer. But, I mean, I think saying that, though, I think I think we both have to see number one. I mean, it's crazy if we don't. Yeah, no, there's, there's no way we don't have the same number one. Like I said, now, for those of you that are still listening, we uh, we didn't discuss our list at all before the show. All I told him was that I'm sure we have the same number one. And he said it was close between his number one and number two. For me, it's not even close. This is hands down the best fantasy player of all time. It is none other than LaDainian Tomlinson. And this was to be expected... He was an absolute monster. Now, his 2006 season, this fucking guy had 1,800 rushing yards, added another 500 through the air for 31 touchdowns. 31. Crazy. That, it, it's insane. Like, if, if this guy, and the thing is, oh, the way he played, he was fast. He had great cuts. He loved his, his, his like signature thing, in my opinion, was his fucking stiff arm. He was just such a good running back, and every time he got the ball, like you, you, you knew something was going to happen. You knew he was going to get positive yardage. You knew that he was going to get down the field. And he was, he was just such a workhorse too. Like they don't make running backs like this anymore. Like you won't see a running back today go for over thirty touchdowns in a season. They, they. It just doesn't happen anymore. This dude, LaDainian Tomlinson, in his prime, if you put him in the NFL today, he could still do shit like this. Like, he was that good. Yeah, I mean, the 31 touchdowns in 06, I mean, an unbelievable accomplishment. I mean, you know, somebody may break it down the road, but I, I, it's going to be tough. Uh, yeah, obviously, he's the fantasy GOAT. He's the fantasy player, the best one of all time. It's just... He had eight straight seasons with 1,100 rushing yards. He obviously had a ton of catches, a lot of receiving yards, but the most impressive stat, in my opinion, about LT, even more impressive than the 31 touchdowns in 06, he missed one game in his first eight seasons. One game. Can you imagine that, playing the running back position, to be healthy enough to play all but one game in the first eight seasons. And the Chargers were good. They were going to the playoffs. So they were extended seasons. That is, that's not even right. Like, how is that even possible? And, and to harp on your point, the NFL was different back then. Like, there wasn't as many of these uh, these flags for helmet to helmet and all these balls. It wasn't the same back then. Like, people were getting rocked and taken out of games on the regular. And the fact that this dude only missed one game, like, that just shows you how elusive of a back this guy was. Yeah, no, I, I mean, he, he was on a planet of his own. I mean, that I just remember when he got drafted, if you remember the two, he got drafted in one. You know who else the Chargers drafted in no one? Drew Brees. Yeah. Drew Brees. Can you imagine... I mean, see, I don't know if you remember or not, but Drew Brees got drafted the same year as LT. The Chargers drafted Drew Brees and LT the same year. The problem, though, Drew Brees ended up getting hurt. He hurt his shoulder, and and then he ended up, you know, 
they, they kind of give up on him. They drafted Philip Rivers, and then, you know, we all know what Drew Brees has done. But could you imagine if they kept those two together? Oh, my God. Yeah, that would have, that would be absolutely insane. Yeah, I mean, you, I, you can't really get a better one-two punch than that from the quarterback running back position. But, I mean, yeah, that wraps up our top ten. I mean, do you, as you're going through the list, could you think of any more honorable mentions to throw out there that didn't make the list? Um, well, when I was doing it, I really wanted to get Gronk on the list. But I ended up leaving him off because I figured having two Patriots in the top 10, I mean, if you were to throw Gronk in there too, like the amount of hate, I could feel the hate starting to burn up my phone when I typed in Rob. And I was just like, you know what? I'm going I'm to leave this one off. Yeah, you definitely would have. Uh, you would have got a a smackdown through the internet for that one. I uh, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, right. Another another player that I was I wanted to squeeze onto the list. There was there was two more running backs. There was actually three running backs I was thinking about getting on there. The first one I wanted to show some love to Terrell Davis. And Terrell Davis was, I mean, he was the running back of the Broncos, obviously. But I remember. He had, when I watched him play for the first time, when I really sat down and watched him against the Patriots, he really stood out to me as being a special kind of player. And I really liked his game. And I remember I was collecting a lot of trading cards back then. I had really nice, it was like a, I think it was called like a Diamond Series, Terrell Davis card. It was cut like a diamond. He kind of held a special spot for me. Now, another one of my guys that I wanted to get on there, because I'm pretty sure he might have had one of the best uh, fantasy games for a running back to date, I'm pretty sure he does. And that's fucking Clinton Portis. Yep. Clinton Portis, sure. Clint Portis was, I actually wrote down Clinton Portis in my honorable mentions. And then, for whatever reason, I crossed him off only because, I don't know, it just didn't feel right because he only had a, really, a couple really good seasons. That like I mean he had some very good he was a very good running back for a while, but nothing it didn't pop out like like you know like you know like Aaron Hunter or any of those guys you know it, it wasn't the same. Yeah, no, that's why I didn't have him on the list. It just it wouldn't feel right saying it like oh number ten I got uh, like Sean Alexander number nine I got Clinton Portis like it just. It doesn't feel right, but Clinton Portis was one of my favorite running backs to watch back in the day with the Redskins. And like I said, I'm pretty sure he still holds the record today for the most fantasy points by a running back in one game. Actually, yeah, he might. I think he might. I can't remember what exactly his stats were, but he's definitely up there for one of the best games of all time. Uh, touching a near point, too, I, I almost added Terrell, but he just he had such a short window. But, I mean, he did rush for 2,000 yards in a season, which he obviously has only been done a handful of times. Yeah. Was, was there anyone else you were thinking about getting on the list that you couldn't fit? Uh, I mean, I, I think I pretty much at least talked about everybody I had in mind. I did have Clint Portis on, on my honorable mentions. Terrell Davis was close. Um, like we said at the beginning of the show, we're, we're not really going too far back. You know, like I think the, the earliest season I brought up was probably 98 with Moss's rookie year. 
So, I mean, obviously, there was a lot of good players from that point on. Like, I mean, if you're just receivers alone, you're talking about Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce, and, you know, Chad Johnson or Ochocinco, whatever you want to call them. Like, there was a lot of good players. But I feel like we I feel like we nailed the top ten. All right, so while you were doing that, I was able to look up this Clinton Portis game. And he is still, to date, the highest – he still has the highest scoring game for a fantasy running back in history. In 2003, week 14, against the Broncos, right? Actually, no, no, no. He was on the Broncos at the time. He did this to the Chiefs. The dude four fantasy points in one game. Yeah, that's pretty nuts. That's pretty much it. Go ahead. Second place was Sean Alexander, who came in with a 52, but to 54 fantasy points. Still the record. Fucking Clinton Portis. I remember, uh, like I said earlier, Jamal Charles had that 51-point game. And, uh, that, I mean, I, I remember watching that. I think he had, what, he had four touchdowns? Four touchdowns, I believe. I know um, another player, too, that just popped in my head. That, uh, I mean, he wasn't by any means, like, the guy he wanted to draft, but he was a very good running back for a little while there. It was MJD. Jones Drew was a beast when he was in Jacksonville. Yeah, no, I, I like Maurice Jones Drew a lot. I actually, when he, uh, when he, reti- when, right when he retired, he actually had, he used to uh, do a feature on a serious XM fantasy show, and he used to break down what running backs he liked and now like you said he was he was he was a thick boy that's for sure but he was really powerful and hard to break down in Jacksonville he was definitely a top running back oh yeah absolutely but th- then again you can make an argument that Ray Rice is a top running back but neither of us put him on the list and I think for pretty obvious reasons yeah fuck that guy for two reasons one obviously the legal issues he got into he's kind of a scumbag and two he beat our ass in the playoffs that year. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. Yeah, I will never forget it. I hate Ray Rice. Yep, me too. All right, so let's wrap it up here. We're going a little long with this list. Hopefully, you guys that are listening, you guys enjoyed this little trip to the past as we broke down our top 10 fantasy football players. Agree with our picks, let us know. And if you hate the fact that we both have two Patriots in our top 10, Let's embrace the hate. Go ahead. Let us hear it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you're following us. Let us know that we're homers and tell us who you think we left off the list. I mean, if you guys out there are older than us, you guys might have the Jerry Wrights and uh, and like the uh, Michael Irvings and stuff like that. But feel free to let us know who's in your top 10 list. Uh, until next time, I'm Mark. That's AJ. AJ, you anything you want to tell them before we go? Uh, I mean, you know, I, I am very interested to see who they feel we left off. Uh, like we stated, though, I mean, we kind of kept it from like the late 90s to now. So that's like when we were playing fantasy. I mean, I, wa- I got to watch Jerry Rice a little bit. Uh, so like I understand how good he was, but I wasn't playing fantasy when I was watching Jerry Rice. So that's kind of how I played it. Uh, but yeah, I definitely want to hear who you guys have in your top 10. Just let us hear it. And honestly, if you're in the Facebook group, you know, comment down on, on the link we're going to post on this video and just put your top 10. I want to see what it is. Yeah, and for anybody out there listening that's not in the uh, the Facebook group, you're going to want to get in there because that's where we're posting 
all the uh, all the information on the shows, all the future giveaways. Like we're giving away an autographed Saquon Barkley jersey. Uh, all you got to do to enter that is you just need to leave a five star review on Apple Podcast, and you're eligible. And once we hit 50, we're going to be giving it away. And if you're in the group, you're going to be able to keep up to date with the status of that and with the status of the shows. We're, we're, we're a community podcast, so you guys are all a part of it. We want you guys to be submitting your questions. We want your voicemail questions. We want to bring a couple of you guys on the show with you guys. So we're a very interactive podcast, and that's the goal here. We want this to be a podcast for everybody. And we want you guys to the word. All right, so now hopefully you guys enjoyed this little blast from the past. I know I had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you guys next time. Peace.